Mays Mortgages are Fife-based mortgage and protection specialists. Our aim is to provide our clients with high-quality, personal and friendly service. Our advisors have over 25 years of industry experience and have an outstanding record for sourcing our clients the products that suit their needs. Where we're different though, unlike many other brokers, from start to finish, we won't charge you a penny. Contact us via Facebook to find out more. Hi, I'm Willie Brown and you're listening to Glory Days of Gold. Provost Warren of Glasgow presents the Scottish League Cup to the side that lasted the course better, all conquering East Fife. As I made my way to that pitch on Wellesley Road To sing my songs for the boys in black and gold I heard the stories about 1938 I was just a boy and you had have to wait Now there's broken dreams and what might have been At that stadium by the shore But those glory days of gold might return once more Hello, hello, how do you do? We are the boys from New Bayview and we are back with another episode of Glory Days of Gold, your East Fife and Scottish football podcast. I'm Lee Gillis and I'm joined by a plethora of East Fife fans tonight um, and a special guest who I'll introduce just shortly. But um, hello for the first time in a very long time, Andrew Warnder. Hello, good to see you all. Good to see you. I had to publicly shame Andrew um, to make an appearance to, to come back on the show. For those of you that listened last week, um, I, I don't think there's any other way to say it. I royally mugged him off and received a prompt message when he listened to the show and said, I promise I'll come back, Lee, I promise. And I was like, okay, that's fine. We'll, we'll make sure that you could come back in because Doug is currently golfing with the guy that owns Newcastle for some reason. Um, and I've asked him to put a word in Ian, don't worry, um, to see if there's any funds that he could spare us to help fund our title charge. Um, also joined by Aaron Anderson. Afternoon, afternoon, evening, Aaron. Good evening. And Gordon, feeling better, Sunshine? A little bit, yeah. I'll soldier on. I'm glad to hear that you're back. And, and let's be honest, the, the football probably didn't make you feel any better, but we'll come to that because... For me, the, the football is secondary to the emotions of a lot of East Fife fans this week. Um, I'm going to introduce Ian Lawson. Ian, first time on the show. Good evening. Good evening, all. Sorry for the first part of this call. That it, it can't be under better circumstances, but I wanted to invite you on purely to, to talk about Rab Waddle. And um, unfortunately, we lost Rab this week after a battle with illness. And I just wanted to take this opportunity to sort of recognise not only what a fantastic East Fife fan he was, but a great person to boot. Yeah, I mean, I was, I'll, I'll take you back to Thursday morning when his wife phoned me to, to pass on the news. And I mean, that in itself spoke volumes of him and his wife because uh, I think he'd just passed away just literally not long before it. Uh, I don't know the time. I know it's not really interesting. But one of the first things that she felt the need to, to to do was to get in contact with myself 
and pass on the sad news to the football, the East Fife community, because I, I, I'm pretty certain that most, if not all, your listeners will know or have met Rob at some point in their journey watching East Fife. I mean, I could take you way back to the 1970s, standing on the terrace at Old Bayview when I first met him. I didn't know him too well, and I wouldn't say because I was a coaster. I'm, I'm still, I'm half coaster, half Glenrothes, but I, I, I knew of him through other people, and I spoke to him over the years through the through the decades watching his fight. And it wasn't until I moved along here permanently in 2006 that I really got to know him, and. As a personal touch, what a man he was. I mean, from from the first time I really got to speak to him at Bayview, and he offered to take myself along to Bayview for, for Glenrothes, just without, just after a, a brief conversation, I'll come and pick you up. That's not a problem. And for then, for the last 16 years, he's done it. Every home game. If, if you need it. I'll tell a lie. I can't say every home game because that's not true. This was this was the type of man Rob was. It broke his heart when he had to go to a wedding on a Saturday when it was when there was an East Five game on. It, it really did, <laughs> especially over the last few years when you know, like I've been running the supporters bus to games for that's that's ten years I've been doing it now, and Rob was a stalwart of that. He was he was one of the driving forces that when when I first suggested I might do it. Rob says, just do it. Just do it, Ian. That's that's but we need somebody that's, that's committed. He says, I know you you'd mark a good job of it. So that was his words to me. And I went, Well, if Rob's coming out with something like that, there must be truth in it. And that's and that's just what I did. But as as a as a as a line, as a I wouldn't say a sideline, but as a as a, a, a sad fact that goes along with what we're we we're talking about Rob tonight. It wasn't it's not just Rob we've lost recently. Over the year, when I started first going in the car with him along to Bayview, there was myself, Tom Philp, young Tom Philp, Ian Valens and Rob. Now, I think you'll all understand, I'm the only one left of that group. Now, we lost young Thomas just a few weeks ago, but that's, that's, the, nature, that's the nature of the people that followed his fight. These were all diehard men. That, and even when I started running the bus... Not so much Tom and Young Tom, but certainly Ian and Rob were two die every week on the bus, away we went. I mean, and as far as his faith went, it was, it was black and gold blood in his veins. So that's, that's, the type, that's the type of man he had. It was, he, as I said, he, he, he hated going to family, he hated going to socials or family dues that was going to interfere with getting to his faith game. He would far rather be standing on a freezing cold day, well, sitting on a freezing cold day in the stand that Peter had this. That that's one of the reasons I'm saying this because one of the games was at Peterhead, and it was in the middle of February, something and snow on the ground and everything, and he was he was had, he had to miss it that week because he had a, a family function on, it was a, a social of some kind. It wasn't a big thing, but he's but he was told that he wasn't <laughs> he wasn't getting, and that's what he said. I'd rather I'd still rather be sitting on a cold seat at Peterhead, watching watching the fife. That's that's the type of man he was. Even even that game, if, if most of you will remember the game against Brechin, the midweek game against Brechin, he he, says, he phoned me up. He said, "Do you want to go?" I said, "Oh, I will. We have, we have to go." I said, right, right, okay. He says, "You want to?" I was I was going anyway, so I was just asking if you wanted to. Oh, of course, Rob. If you're going, I have to go. That's, that's the kind of thing it is. And he came. The two of us we got along, and then it, it, 
he said to me a few years ago, he says, Good something, doing the best thing I've ever got, Ian. What is that? He said, Sit still, the new, and we're going to just got in a new car. He says, Sit still. And he turned the heated seats on. He says, That's the bro thing about this car. When you come out of Bayview on a cold day, you get a warm bum to go in, him we? But, and as, as, a, as a message to you, Rob, for all these years he, he gave, now I've got two boys. Some of you all know Lewis, he's 27. When I first started going with Rob, Lewis used to sit in the back. If there was room in the car, Lewis used to sit in the back with us with, with some of the, uh, I think it was, it's actually when Tom passed away, there was always there was a spare seat. So we started taking Lewis along. And now, all the years later, the last few years, we've been taking Sam along. And Rob loved it when the Bairns, when Sam was there because he, this is it. He always said, this is the future of his faith. It's no me and old Ian. It's the young ones. And when the bus, when I started doing the buses and we started getting the young ones coming on the buses, a big smile on his face when he saw the young ones. And he says, that's what we need, Ian. We need to get young folk involved in the club. He's we, us old codgers. He says, I reckon if you want to include you in it, well, steady, I'm no 60 yet, but he's, us old codgers, we're all going to die you. He says, you can not. We're all going to die you. And we need young people, young ones to come in. Like, even when the, when the young ones started with the drum, there were a lot of folk mumped and moaned. Never heard Rob moan about them. No, that's, they never, I never, ever heard them. In fact, you can someone you never heard Rob moan about a lot of things. He maybe nod his head and agree, like we've all got plenty to moan about just now. But he was never one for moaning and he was maybe nod and agree and put a wee a wee thing, a wee word in. But his final word was aye, but we'll be there next week, Ian. Never forget that. We'll be there next week. And that's right, and things could be better next week. That was how he, that was that was his philosophy on the game. And I stick with that. That's kind of my philosophy, I know. And I've tried to get that through to my boys, I know. So I I don't know any more details for anything going forward. I'm waiting on his wife to let me know, and I'll certainly pass it on to everybody once I do. But as a man, as an East Fife fan, uh, my my heart goes out to them because I felt I've like I've lost a good friend. I've hardly I've not I've not had the I've not had the, the luck to speak to him too much in the last few months because uh, he's been pretty poorly and the text messages. He was a very private man all his life. Although he's come out of shell a wee bit of Bayview, but outside of that, you, you didn't get, you, if, you, if you messaged him or phoned him, he you kept everything kind of to himself. And I understand that. And I, that's just the type of person he was. But as, a, as an East Fife supporter, you'll not get better. That's the words I would use. You'll know get better. I think you've you've summed that up perfectly. And I mean, I had a few questions that I'd written down to to ask, but I, I don't actually feel like anything really needs said on top of that. And when I got your message, I was I was gutted because you know it seems to be more more and more frequent these days that we're we're losing people that we would define as as East Fife stalwarts and and, and people that you know eat, sleep, and breathe East Fife and and Rab is certainly one of them. I've I remember talking to him with my dad as a as a young boy, and then as I got older, when I would go to the games with Isla, I would always sit and chat with Isla, pass Isla, sweetie, in the terraces, and all that sort of thing. And you just, you know, you we're mourning the loss of a fan 
of of course as a as an East Fife community, but more importantly, we're we're mourning the loss of a, a gentleman and a, a really good person. So this episode um, will be obviously dedicated to to Rab's memory and thanks for. A really fitting tribute year, and that was really touching. And um, I'm sure that everybody, all, all our listeners, will will join us in sending our condolences to Rab's family. And of course, if there's anything that we could do um, to to support, then of course we will. And if you could share the the details, if any funeral arrangements, then I'm sure that we'll share that on our socials to make sure that he gets the send off he deserves. Yeah, most certainly I'll do that. <laughs> and you, you hit the nail right on the head there when you said he was a gentleman. Every single when I, when I put the message out to, you know, my, my text group for the bus and through the socials and everything, when I put that message out, I would say 90% of the replies I got had that word, gentleman. Yeah. Respect and gentleman. That's what they had. That's some, that just sums them up in two words. Perfect. And, and thanks again for, for doing that. While we've got you, and we'll move on to to something that's a slightly more positive note, would you just like to tell us, obviously, as much as you can about where we currently stand with the current situation with the the fan potential fan ownership? I know this is something, and I've known you for a long time, Ian, that you've been very passionate about for as, as long as I've known you. And as it stands, you're the, the chairperson of the East Fife Supporters Society, formerly the, the East Fife Supporters Trust, and along with the, the rest of the committee um, trying to push a deal through to acquire the, the shares of the current owners. But what light can you shed on us in the current situation? Yeah, well, that, that you said it's a positive message. And to us as a board of the, the, the Supporters Society, we feel we're in a positive position now. Uh, we've done loads of work over the last, I would say, six months. Really, really got a lot of things in place to the extent that we've been working all through the summer with an independent consultancy building a business plan. Uh, that was just finished. We just got the final, uh, the draft was approved a couple of weeks ago and we just got the final copy last week. Our application for funding has been put towards, it's been put to the Scottish Government. They have they have accepted it up. There's, there's two parts to it. You, you've got they verified their applications here. It's going to be looked at. And then the next part is like your application had a figure that we were looking for. Um, so the next part is then they have to go through the, their side of the procurement side to get that funding available and then let us know just exactly how much we we can get. And while, while that's going on in parallel, the negotiations with the major shareholder have been taking place since about July. Don't know if everyone's aware, but the the person in control of these, uh, the major shareholding, has been suffering a bit of ill health recently. Um, we, we're not privy to exactly what's going on, but I think it's slowed the process down slightly. Although uh, there has been communication back and forth, it's, it's a bit slow just now, and we don't want to push it because, as I say, we don't know exactly if the health issue is serious. Uh, it would it would be untoward to us if we tried to do you know serious questions like that when there's something else in the background. But I have been assured that we have it's not only us as a sport society acting for us, right? We have people fronting it on. I would say I can't give names um, because the person doesn't does not want associated with 
it's a senior fig, senior figure from Scottish politics, right? That's all I can say. Uh, he is doing the like the go between between ourselves, the Scottish government, and the major shareholder. He's acting as the intermediary, and everything is as far as ahead as we can possibly get at the moment. We just have to get this figure back from the Scottish government, then have to agree a, a final deal with the major shareholder. And once that's in place, this all systems go, really, if we could get that deal. I'm fairly positive we can do it. I think uh, my board is quite positive that we can do it. I'm pretty certain that the membership want us to do it. The only thing that holds us back, and I'm going to bring this up because you've probably seen it through socials and messages that's come out in the last week, we need everyone, not just members of the supporter society, we need members of the community, we need members, people, listeners on your show, as many people as you can think of, friends, family, relatives, anybody that you think has an interest in these five, ask them, share the pledging QR code, share the pledging site, share the Support Society website with them. Uh, we're, as I say, we've got a business plan in place. Uh, I meet this week with uh, Business Gateway, who are going to uh, point us in the right the marketing direction that we need to go. Uh, I've got a really, really a fantastic contact in there. Uh, she's proved to be uh, really her experience is way beyond anything we can dream of. Uh, once again, I can't give a name, but her personal experiences in the past are way beyond anything we can dream But she's listened. She met us in the summertime. She listened to everything that we proposed, how we could take the club forward. And her words to us were, you, you guys know what you're doing. So, And then she's going to put us in, in. As I say, we've got this meeting with the marketing team from Business Gateway this uh, this week coming. That'll be the last part we need to do. We've got the marketing team and uh, Fife College uh, uh, coming on board to help us uh, with the social media side of things. So just expand our team a bit to take a bit of the pressure off the work we're doing. We've got, we have a few hurdles to jump, but as I say, the, the message from us is positive. What, what people, the one thing I will say to everybody listening to this show and anybody it's a message we need to put out is please, please, please distance yourself between the what's happening on the football pitch and how we take over the club and how we run the club in the future. These have to, the, the club and the supporters society is a business. Is it? You look at it from a business point of view. What happens on the football pitch currently isn't great, but don't let that be the judge of how you see the community club in the future. That has a massive, there are massive, massive potential in leaving mouth for a community football club to go forward. That's what we're looking to do. And if everything that we have in place comes to fruition, that's what we'll do. I, I almost felt like there should be shared like some Braveheart like music in the background <laughs> there, Ian, because. That was an impassioned speech, if I've, I've ever heard one. And and look, I think that one of the things that people do get confused with is, you know, try and separate individuals from the... So I've heard people in the past saying that they don't like the people that were on the Supporters Trust in the past, or they don't like the Supporters Trust 
blah 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 blah. But when when challenged, um, it was oh, I just didn't like the people that run it. A lot of the people just now across social media are are unhappy with the the club. Um, and 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 this isn't my opinion per se, but you know a lot of people are saying sack the board. A lot of people are saying you know we need a a, a change from top to bottom, etc., etc., etc. And and you know. I think that it's very easy for people to say these things without taking any action. They want somebody else to come in and do the dirty work. But if fans do believe that that's what's required, then it's this is their time. You know, this is our time to to step forward and support the club in in any way, shape, or form. And I suppose the big question is, we're in the middle of a, a sort of cost of living crisis. People are you know, pinching the pennies more um, than they probably have been in the last sort of 10 to 15 years, Ian. Is it a minimum donation or can it be anything that they could afford? The the minimum donation is a pound for, for simplicity. It has to be a pound per month. Um, but we can't quite share it just now because it has to be agreed by the membership of the society. But we propose... Uh, we, we, we've, we've agreed as a board, on principle, uh, an option that will be very, and I, I say this with a big smile on my face, very, very attractive to everyone who wishes to pledge. It's, as, I, as I say, it's, I think I think it will be, I'm not saying a showstopper, it will be, be the selling point of getting people on board. But we'll have to get it agreed by the membership first. So I would never announce it on here until the members are happy enough for us to do it. Our plan is to get a face-to-face meeting in the not-too-distant future. Um, and we're, we're talking probably before the end of the year. A face-to-face meeting with as many members as we possibly can and we'll share our vision on what this this particular topic is. I I feel it's the correct way. It's a model that's used by other clubs. And when we when we investigated it and found how it worked, it could be it's a we, we felt it's a selling point that the current board will buy into. Because remember, we can't it's all very well saying sack the board. But if you sack the board, who's going to step into the shoes? We need we need a transition. Okay, we'll replace the board or we will join the board. Sacking the board is not an option. Sacking the board just means a group of people walk out the door, shut the door behind them, and it doesn't benefit the club any. What we need now is a bit we need a bit of stability. As I say, keep keep in mind this has two things. We've got a business which is East by Football Club and we've got a team on the park. There is a link, but for this for the purposes of this, you have to look at it in two as two separate models. And our model is to transition East Five Football Club into community ownership. It might ha- might take a few years before we can get to that stage. But what we are proposing just now, when we when we do share this, will be the transition that people would love to see. It makes it makes a difference. It's something that will really make a difference. That's the. It's it's almost. Like, here's what's behind the door, but you're not telling us what's behind the door, Ian. So <laughs> I think what we'll, we'll do is we'll, we'll leave it at that. Um, if you're interested in, in any way that you can support the East Fife Supporters Society in their bid to 
uh, purchase the, the club, please do get in contact with Ian Lawson. If you need his details, just drop us a message on social media. Or um, Ian, is it Smug Pfeiffer on, on X or Twitter, as it was formerly known as? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if, or if you can't find Ian for any um, reason, then drop us a message and we'll certainly put you in touch. Ian, thank you so much for, for joining us. Um, again, I really appreciated the um, fitting tribute to, to Rab um, and also um, the, the latest update on where we are in the, the community takeover. So thank you so much. And we'll, I'm sure we'll see you back on the show um, in the, the coming weeks and months when you've got a bit more to tell us. Yep, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it and I, I can't wait to come back and give you the update because when, when I do get that update for you, I will be the first one on here and shout it for the top of my lungs to your, to your audience. Well, but the one thing I will say is enjoy the rest of your show discussing that for yesterday because you're, you're a better man than me if you could keep your temper. Yeah, thanks for that, Ian. Um, I'll be honest with you, I've been <laughs> dreading this all day um, because... There's not many other ways that we could describe it other than shite, but I've looked at my thesaurus mm-hmm. and we'll see which other words that we can use to, yeah. to try and describe it. Thankfully, I've got a, a plethora of guests that, that um, are going to join me that I could throw over to and let them um, stick the poo in. <laughs> so it's not just me. But thanks again, Ian, and I'll see you in Peterhead, I'm sure. Right. Never is in, and right. enjoy the rest of your show, guys. Cheers, Ian. Thank you. Good night. Bye. So a very interesting update there from Ian Lawson from the East Five Supporters Society. And as we've mentioned, um, a really lovely and fitting tribute to, to Rab Waddle. I would say this episode will be dedicated to him. And um, I really hope that in our next home fixture, which I believe is Dumbarton at home on the 11th, that we, as a, an East Fife fan base, give Rab the, the send-off that he, he truly deserves. Um, and I, I would encourage everybody um, that, that attends that game to, to make sure that we do so. We're going to move on now, um, rather unfortunately, to the complete clusterfuck that was yesterday's 1-0 defeat to Dunbar. And I'm going to start with the positives. Um, First of all, it was the single best pie I've ever had at a Scottish football ground. Now, for those of the listeners that know who I am, will know that I'm a Rubenesque gent. Um, and despite my recent late, uh, weight loss efforts, I indulged in two pies yesterday because I'd heard before I went that they were excellent. So first up was the scotch pie, which was the best scotch pie I've ever had. Packed to the rafters, nay grease, 10 out of 10 sexiness. Only to be superseded by the steak pie, which I believe Laura posted on social media. And as I walked in, she went, have you had a pie yet? Not hello. <laughs> not anything else. Have you had a pie yet? And I said, no, because clearly I'm an athlete. Um, and she said, well, you need to go and get a steak pie before the sellout. And this thing was a complete thing of beauty. It was possibly almost in a train spotting-esque rant. It was the best I've felt since Archie Gamble's goal and I wasn't even born. So I think that that, that should sum up just how good it was. And every East Five fan that I'm sure managed to sample one yesterday will back me to the rafters and pack me to the rafters just like both of those pies were. Fantastic. Moving on, however, Gordon, um, what the fuck? Yeah. I mean, to be honest, when we drew Dunbar in the cup, there was just this little bit in the back of my head going, ah, it's going to happen again, isn't it? We're going to get beat by a East of Scotland team, something like that. 
I had a little look at how Dumbar are doing in the league, and I saw they were second. And then I had my second little, oh, we're going to get beat here. And um, yeah, and it happened. I mean, it's becoming, it's one of these things. It's it's happened far too much in the past few years. Um, Three times in five years, Gordon. Yeah. I mean, watched, um, so didn't get to the, the game, but watched part of it on the stream and seen the highlights. And the reality is we created more than enough chances to win that game, particularly, I think, the first half. We should have been up. Um, and I think um, I agree with what with Greg McDonald in his interview afterwards. He basically said, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a personality test that they failed. I think it was, you know, you look at it and, yeah, you look at the possession stats, we had most of the balls. We had most of the ball. We created these chances. But... You know, it's just this feeling like, you know, I understand it, why Dunbar are really up for a game like that. But even as a bigger club, you've got to go in and match that. And it just feels like too many times we don't do that. Um, And, yeah, it just felt like yesterday was another, another example of that, which is really disappointing because as much as you can put a spin on it and say, well, we should have won the game, we've created all these chances and... You know, you play the game again, it probably wouldn't have went a different way. It's just too many times, I think, you know, there are just times when a team just needs to kind of stand up and be counted a little bit. And too many times, I feel we just don't. Um, and I think yesterday was a pretty galling example of that. That's been glory days of gold, and thanks very much for listening to the show this week because <laughs> I, I think you've, you've, you've summed that up perfectly for me. And, you know, there's one thing, whatever your opinion is of Greg, I feel like he is always a very, he's a very good talker. And he, he came out after that and I was, you know, I didn't watch the highlights. I, I genuinely couldn't bring myself to do it because it was utter wash, as Doug would say, and I'll say it in his, in his absence. For me, it was the worst result in my lifetime as an East Fife fan. It's the worst I've felt leaving and uh, a game as an East Fife fan but Greg's point about it being a personality test was massive for me and it's not the first time that I felt that we've had that this season and I think there's too many players that post last season believed their own hype a bit and you know we went into the Peterhead game you know we were favourites for the league across pretty much every bookmaker we thought we were going to batter Peterhead and got humbled you know, we played um, away at Elgin and fought back. We played at Stranraer, had to fight back. You know, we, we played games and it's just almost like, we'll win this. And I, I don't think you could fault the boys at location yesterday, Aaron. But for me, it was almost, it was almost arrogance. Yeah, we had chances, like we had lots of chances, particularly in the first half, more so in the first half at now now. My big concern is that when we go a goal down and you play against a side that's sitting and are fairly well organised, we struggle to go and break them down and then we're also at risk of getting hit on the counter-attack as well. And... People might talk about the Spartans game that came two rounds, but Spartans play a certain way. They're open, they're expansive, they don't sit in. That's different. 
And that's happened a lot with us so far this season when we don't get that first goal and we kind of run out of ideas a little bit. Like, it wasn't like the Alamo in terms of their goalkeeper making save after save in the second half. That just didn't happen. There's a lot of crosses into the box. But out with maybe Conor McManus with about 10 to go, bursting just on the edge of the box and hitting it wide. You know, I think Brogan had a volley as well, but nothing absolutely clear-cut in the second half like we did in the first half. And they could have probably added a second on the break in injury time as well if, you know, the guy had a bit more composure when he was in front of goal. So it's definitely alarm bells for me. Um, despite maybe the run we've been on, my big concern is if we don't get that first goal and teams sitting against us, we run out of ideas and try to break them down. Yeah, and... When I think about our success in pre-season, Andrew, you know, we were actually the team that sat in um, against Queen's Park and against um, Queen of the South. You know, we we were hard to beat. We weren't scoring goals, but we're hard to beat. And, look, I mean, we lost yesterday to a penalty and it was a really clumsy challenge from Cumberford, um, who'd had a fantastic game the week before and was was arguably man of the match in, in many fans' eyes. But I think for me, what what really concerns me is when I look at our bench, there's no option for change. So we had players yesterday who were poor, really poor, actually, um, and uncharacteristically poor. But then you look at the bench, and apart from maybe Brogan Walls, um, who I I think does offer us something off the bench when he comes on, you're looking at our bench and you're like, there's no game changer there. Yeah, agreed. And to go back to your, your first point, as you started speaking earlier around about the Viaplace scenario and your Queen's Park and Queen of the South and that um, examples, as it were, when the shoe's on the other foot, it's very easy to get yourself up for these games um, and to apply yourself in the right manner. And what you'll find is yesterday, Dunbar, the team that he's five were in those games you alluded to. So, for all the fight and that extra 10% that you naturally gain by coming up against a bigger opponent, then that has flipped entirely. Now, taking yesterday in isolation, if any single person in the East Fife set up from players to management to fans didn't think for one minute that that was going to be Dunbar's Cup final and adjusted their attitude, outlook and approach to that game accordingly, then that's a shame on them because I don't know what they expected. Did they think we were going to go there, Dunbar, we're going to roll over and have their belly tickled? No. Um, and I think, fair play to Greg, he's come out and he said it was a personality test, failed. Now, it's very easy when you play football, if you're the underdog, to get your backs to the wall, dig in, graft as a team, do all the basics right. But when you have the mentality that you are superior, then these things go by the wayside and you get punished. And that's what's happened yesterday. And we cannot be and should not be and you used the word Lee, arrogant enough to think we're at that position at all. You look where we are, the harsh facts in the pyramid are, what was seventh in League Two? That's just unacceptable in itself. We've had two league wins all season. Um, we've now had arguably the most embarrassing defeat in the club's history yesterday. Um, some historians might, <laughs> might correct me on that, but certainly from my point of view, that's, that's as bad as it's got. 
Um, up until Darren Young was in situ, and I think it was Brora that started this horrific Scottish Cup scenario that we're in. We were very proud and actually quite boastful of the fact that East Fife had never lost a game to a team out with senior football in Scotland. Um, and now it's, as Gordon pointed out, it's just almost expected, sadly. Um, so that, that I guess that's my initial sort of thoughts. And sorry if that was a wee bit of a rant there. But to answer your question on the squad side of things, I guess that again poses its questions. Um, from a management point of view, in football terms, I'm sure the manager's aware of what he's got at his disposal and his squad. And then you've got to think, is it a budget issue that means we've got a lack of quality? Is it attracting players? Because it's well publicised, the, the competition to try and attract players is pretty difficult at the moment in terms of our geography as much as anything else. Um, so it's across the board, really. Um, either that or maybe the managers thought we do have enough. And then there's questions that maybe need to be raised about that as well. But yeah, you're absolutely right. We don't have players that can come on and change it. And the bottom line is, um, perhaps we're not maybe as good as as we as we think. I think there as well, though. I think that there is for me an issue in terms of the fact that there are a number of players who, in my opinion, are continuing to play week in week out, and they probably shouldn't be. They, they shouldn't be starting. Um, too many are blowing hot and cold. I think, you know, I, I didn't want to cause a pile on, but let's just call spades spades, yeah. Um, I think, you know, Jack, for me, he's not hitting the numbers. He, he's not hitting the numbers for a winger. We've, we debated it at length the other week, and yet he plays every week. He plays every week. There's nothing wrong. He's done it with Brogan. There's nothing wrong with taking a, a young player out the side every so often whether that be to take him out the the spotlight for a wee bit or whether it's for a kick up the arse, if you want to call it that. I don't think there's anything wrong with doing that every so often. And, you know, the issue that then causes is that some players almost think they become undroppable because even when they're not playing that well, they know they're not going to get pushed out. You know, we're saying that players maybe on the bench are not good enough to come and change the game, but... Hand on heart, could I say I've seen enough of Gregor Nickel to say he's not good enough? I couldn't say that. I've not seen enough of the boy playing in an East Five shot um, because he's consistently on the bench and when he comes on, he gets 10, 15 minutes here and there. So f- for me, some players who, not just Jack, by the way, just so we're totally clear on that, because again, I'm not causing a pile on, I don't want that. I've been very supportive of Jack in the past, but sometimes players need dropped and they taken out the limelight for a wee bit. And if that is a character thing, if it's a character thing rather than a form thing, or the character thing is contributing to the loss of form, then even more so that they need taken out. And Greg must know who these players are. If he's saying they failed the character test, he must know looking around that change room which players have failed that character test. So whilst I get the point that we're maybe saying the bench isn't strong enough, we don't rotate our side that often enough for me to be able to sit here hand on heart and say that some of the players aren't good enough to be game changers. Gregor Nickel I've not seen enough of. Kieran Mitchell I've not seen enough of. You know, these guys are not getting minutes. And I think after Saturday, some of them deserve a chance. So do you think that's mismanagement then, Aaron, would be my question to that? Because, um, and I'm not having a go at Greg by saying that, I just mean that if... um, if the manager's looking at a squad and thinking, I'm going to put this number 1 to 11 and play this formation and I'm going to stick with it and stick with it and stick with it, that 
suggests to me that either the system that's being played or the personnel within that system are deemed to be better than those who are not in that system. So what do you think the answer to that is? Is it dropping players for the sake of it? Or if you're in the manager's position, do you think I'm going to bring in somebody who actually I think is not as good as who's making the start in the living? I guess the point I'm making is that it's very, very difficult to get that the answer to that right, I would imagine. Yeah, it is difficult. And, you know, like I said, I've not seen enough of some players on the bench to say that they are better or worse than what we've got in the starting lineup because they've not been given enough opportunities to do so. So maybe Greg's seen something in training that we're not privy to. Um, however, if you go back a few weeks ago, natural talent-wise, I-, I love him for his work rate, but Schiavone comes on against Albion, changes the game at half-time with pure application and work rate. Him and Shep come on, application, work rate, change the game. And if I'm correct, they both start against Clyde and we win 2-0. You know, they earn the right to, to come into that side. And sometimes it doesn't need to be the fact that players are technically or tactically better. It's just the fact that some players are just going to graft that wee bit more. And when you're playing against a team like Dunbar, who are playing what's to them their Champions League final to an extent to get to the money spinning third round of the Scottish Cup, you need players that are going to match their intensity and work ethic before the quality even comes into question. If you don't match their work ethic, the quality doesn't get a chance to shine. So, yeah, I, I'm not pinning that on Greg because maybe he's seen things that we are not privy to in training. But at the same time, we are seventh in League Two when I think the objective for me was playoffs minimum. So something's not working. So why not rotate the squad? I think that the other thing is, is Greg will say that our form just now is actually not bad. Um, if, if if you take out the Dunbar game yesterday, um, recent performance, what is it? How many games have we lost? Is it like, you know, not lost in eight? Six, six, like six undefeated, I think. Six undefeated. So he'll be saying, well, you know, we're six undefeated, but there's far too many draws um, in this run of form that we're on. And I think the thing for me, and... Where I'm a bit frustrated is Nathan Austin is looking back to his best or or getting back to his best. He was the only player yesterday, really for me, minus probably him and Fleming are the only two his five players yesterday that I would say get past marks because anytime that Fash got the ball, you felt like something could happen. Um, you know, he was running at defenders again. There was a couple of times that he turned and with, with pace. But we get no service to him. The amount of times that we get the ball out on the wing and it goes to absolutely no one is astonishing or it's ballooned out or it's passed back to the keeper or, you know, any of these sort of things. And I just, I feel like a lot of the times we don't have a plan B. It's it's get the ball out to the wing or shoot for distance. Um... Or we put the ball in and it's an easy cross for the keeper to come across. We had corner after corner after corner yesterday and only Pagey um, forced a save at the keeper. Does it does it really feel to anyone like we've got a plan A? You know what I mean? Like It's one thing, even when we've been playing well, you look at some teams and you sort of say, I know what you're trying to do. I know how you're going to play. You know, you can see what you're doing here. 
for us, I've I've kind of felt like, and it's not just been this year, last year as well, and probably the year before that. You just, you know, you're not really sure what we're trying to do. Like what, what type of team are we? Um, it, does anyone else feel like that? I kind of, I know what you're saying about you know getting getting balls wide, but it doesn't really look to me like we're a team that's completely built and set up to be like, you know, we're. We're going to be a team that gets the ball wide and gets balls into the centre. Um, doesn't really look that we're set up to do that. Yeah, I agree. With, I agree with your comment there around about not really knowing our identity potentially. Um, I mean, it's they've maybe been asked to play in a certain way, and it's just not happening for whatever reason. But um, to me, I've said this before, and myself and Doug have sat at the football and chatted about this many a times. Footballers like simplicity <laughs> in terms of instructions, how a game's set up, and how they should approach it, and I think. But what it can only appear to me looking at that, and I could be wrong, is that we're maybe trying to overcomplicate things sometimes. I think we just need a bit of a, a bit more of a basic breakdown in formation. Um, and just as you say, think this is the way we're going to play. Let's impose our style on teams where we can. Um, and let's let's do that with the personnel that we've got. And sometimes I just I, I'm watching games and thinking I'm not quite getting that. Um, I'm not sure if that's the way they're being set up or if it's the ability of the players or what have you but um, it's been a bit of a worry at times yeah here's you know I think that we could probably move on from the Dunbar game right because I don't really think that there's anything else left to say so let's let's just try for those of us that seen the game yesterday and do a 3-2-1 because we need to um, unfortunately so I'll go first because I never do, but I gave my three points to Nathan Austin. I thought he was the only player yesterday that I kind of felt was hurting as well. You know, you, you just watched him and, and you know he loves the club, but he looked like he was hurting um, at what was happening. Um, although the other people were hands in the air and shouting at each other and, and that sort of thing. But for me, you know, Fash looked like he was hurting yesterday and, and he, he tried everything to, to create something. So I gave my three points to him. Two points he gave to Fleming, made a couple of big saves when he needed them to and a ball here away from saving the penalty as well. Um, you know, he gets his hand t- t- touched onto the post, but, you know, as the ball just wet, um, given, given the heavy rainfall and it's just been enough to slide off his gloves, you know, if it's a drier pitch, does he save that penalty? I think there's every chance that he does. Um, the one point was probably my hardest one point of the season because I really struggled um, to to pick someone or anyone um, to to give that that one point to. Um, I ended up giving it to Troughton because again I kind of feel like he picked the ball up and he did try to do something. But even then, you know, I like Trouts. I think he's a, a really good player, but. I don't think it was his best game yesterday. I'm sure he would concede that himself. Um, but yeah, I, I gave him a point because he was the best of a very shite rest. Gordon? I thought you would have given at least one point to the steak pie. The way I'd, I'd love to have given a point to the steak pie. Um, I know that in the past we've had like Danny Swanson's gloves, the, the fans and, and things of that ilk, but um, we will try and make it a, a, a fairer end of season awards um, so that we don't get shivved at the, the player of the year dance like we did last year when we gave it to Fergie but um, yeah I think that, that I'm, I'm going to give a, a, a note of recognition to the pies for Dunbar actually okay. um, if, if, if we're short of 
whoever's going to finish in last place, make sure that the Pies get an extra point so they don't finish bottom. Um, I, although I did watch parts of the game, I'm not sure I can even pretend that I could give any kind of like you know logical or reasonable three two one. So I will just agree with you. I'm not sure I can say anything differently. Spando? To put your Spando in the bin for starters. Uh, <laughs> let's go. Yeah, I struggled. I, I really struggled. I, I agree with Nathan for free. I actually thought it looked sharp yesterday. Um, took the ball in the half turn a few times. Had his back to go a few times. Well, spun out nicely a few times too. He was very unlucky. Like, I, I, and, you know, look, without going into the game too much, that goes the ninth goal, we're winning one now. You know what I mean? The whole This whole conversation would be totally different. So, uh, three points for Nathan. Um, I, I, I'm struggling. Alan Fleming probably would get my two as well. I just felt that even at the end, he makes a big save at the end and one nil could become 2 now And... It's a defeat, but it would be even more embarrassing. So, yeah, Fleming gets two. The one point I had, and I, get, I actually thought he was pretty poor yesterday, but I, I was going to give one to McManus because he still wanted the ball. Like yeah. he, he did try things and didn't he come off, but he didn't go and hide after it. Um, you know, he gets his certain positions. You know, he has a chance the second half, he misses it. But he, he showed a little bit of you know, bollocks and actually wanting to take the ball and, and try and make something happen. Not that he made anything happen, but he tried to, and he tried to get on the ball. So that's probably a clutching at straws one point. And, Ward, I know you didn't make it yesterday, so you have a reprieve, you lucky, lucky man. Um, look, but I, I just want to go on and talk about this season as a whole. Um, and it's... It's very difficult to do so, but I want us to try and be objective and take the emotion of yesterday out. Because, you know, you have a look at social media last night and I knew what it was going to be. Um, it was always going to be that because, like I say, I, I mean, I said it myself um, and I would say it over and over again, that's the worst result in my time watching East Fife. I mean, this is a, a team that are, what, three divisions below us, two divisions below us. Um, you know, they've lost to Kirkcaldy and dies up um, the old Kirkcaldy YMCA. It's a team that I would expect Glenorthis or um, Thornton Hibbs or teams of that nature to to be able to go and put a fight up against, not a professional side. Um, and I don't don't get me wrong, I get it, it's a cup, these things can happen. However, um we can't just roll over and, and have our tummies tickled and pretend that that's not a fucking humiliation and not just about what it is in terms of it makes us a bit of a laughing stock. Don't get me wrong, I'm glad that we're not Elgin this morning because I'd have probably driven off the fourth bridge last night if we'd been them. But if... Obviously, I'm coming into this with a privy point of view, um, working with the club as a, from a commercial standpoint. Us exiting the cup at this um, juncture is a disaster financially. Um, we, we really need to these cup runs to to help us drive our budgets for next year to get us through uh, months where we're potentially, um, you know, if there's going to be game postponements, et cetera, because wages still need to be paid, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I'm not coming into it saying that uh, we're up shit creek because we've we've not got through to the next round, but 
these really help us. And all that happens is is the team let you know the the fans down, but equally like the work that the the club do, myself and Scott do, etc. Trying to attract sponsors to the club, um, that budget then just you know it's a fugazi, it's a fuzzy, it's a wazzy, it's woozy. You know, to quote the the Wolf of Wall Street thing, it just disappears and it fritters away because that money that could have been used for other things then has to go along to to sustain the club and it it just angers me to be honest and it's still raw and it still hurts. Um, but you know, like I say, we're, we're going to move on from from yesterday and um, now that I've had my bit of a rant and we'll talk about the the season as a whole. So I seen this stat yesterday. Um, on Twitter and I, I thought I, I wrote it down just to um, put into context the last 17 games that we've we've played um, four wins in 17 23% win rate eight draws which is a 47% draw rate five losses which is a 30% loss rate eight games with no goals scored in those 17 Five clean sheets, 18 goals scored and 19 conceded. Now, bearing in mind, out of those 18 goals, if I'm right, four of them were against Stranra, three of them were against Delgin, um, you know, two of them were against Clyde. So it's it's pretty grim. Um, and don't get me wrong, I mean, there's a, there's a few games where, you know, we could have won, we, you know, we were close, but we didn't edge it out. And it's, it's kind of should have with the could have for me, um, as much as it hurts to, to say it, but, you know, it's, it's kind of difficult to put a positive spin on the opening, you know, half of the year. You know, we're going into November now, or, the, you know, the first quarter is just about to finish if we talk August, September and October. Um and it's, it's really difficult to be positive, Gordon. Yeah, I mean, all all the all the stats put together, and you know, like the last whatever games, when it really comes down to it, where are we in the league? Seventh. How many points we got? Ten. We're six points off fourth. We're only four points off the bottom. That's not good enough. Um, there's no, there's no. You know, there's no argument against that. It's it's not been good enough this season as a whole. Um, yes, I think if you look at the more recent, you know, take the last take take cup games out of it. I mean, I've you know this this sort of not unbeaten in six and all the rest of it. Right, right, yeah, that's there's there's two challenge cup games in there. What's important is the league. Uh, the last four league games we've won two, drawn two. That's not bad. It is an improvement. So, yeah, as as a whole, our league form and as the season has gone has not been good enough. I think we have shown a little bit of improvement in the last few games. But that needs to keep going. Um, and I take your point as well that the two wins in the past four games, you know, it was it was Clyde at home who I think up to that point were absolutely the worst team that we'd seen all season. And then it was Stranraer at home who took that mantle from Clyde as being by far the pishest team that we've seen this season. Now, yeah, you can only go you can only go and beat who's in front of you. And yeah, you're more likely to go and get 
wins against teams at the bottom, you're more likely to get beat by teams at the top. That's fine. But that form, that sort of, you know, winning two, drawing two in the last four, Reals, we need to keep that going just to get back to where, you know, the minimum of where we should be, which is sort of fighting it out to get in the top four. So, you know, the first, I don't know, we played 10 games now. We played the first quarter. We need a big improvement in the second quarter just to get us back to where we kind of need to be. Now, yeah, look, first quarter, it's only 9-10 games. And, you know, we've said that the last four games have been you know, pretty decent. So you're talking about the first, well, first six games, not good enough. And, I mean, this happens. Um, so for me, yeah, it's obvious what's happened so far has not been good enough. Um, I'll, In terms of judgment, I'll kind of hang fire a little bit. I think, you know, the next run of games, we need to keep seeing that improvement. If we don't, if we regress, we don't continue that improvement and we go back to what it was like in the first six games, then, you know, I think tough decisions need to be made and, you know, harsh reality needs to be kind of faced a little bit. Aaron, our, our next four fixtures, in fact, our next five fixtures, for me, um, are tough ones. Um, if we take the Clyde one out, but it is Clyde away, okay, so Clyde are at home, but we've got Peterhead on the 4th of November, Dumbarton at home, Clyde away, Bonnie Rig away, Spartans at home. And, you know... I feel like I say this almost every week, but they're big fixtures. And I I can't see us getting anything next week. No, I, I struggle with that too. But then I do genuinely think when you break our team down player by player and you compare them to other squads in the league, that fear factor shouldn't be as high as what it currently is. I'm sorry, I know Bonnie Rigg are maybe overachieving so far this year and they're proving a lot of people wrong, but that squad should not be fearing going to Bonnie Rigg. They just shouldn't. You know, we playing personnel when on top form, when playing in the right system, if that's what's not happening, we should be one of the better sides in the league and teams should be looking at us thinking that's going to be a difficult game. And the fact that the roles are reversed speaks volumes for me. Um, I take your point I think Peterhead away will be tough I think that always would have been tough anyway having come down from week one um, you know and started the season the way they have but we shouldn't be fearing it we really shouldn't be fearing these fixtures we really shouldn't but we are we are fearing them because of where we currently are in the table I think my concern is that like Gordon alluded to Whilst there has been this slight upturn in results lately, and I do think that has to be taken into account. I, I don't think it's fair to have this knee-jerk emotional reaction, which is natural after a result like yesterday. And I said that in you know our chat last night. But if we're going to be objective, for me, objectives this year were top four minimum having got there last year and having looked at the league as well, I don't think there's a Sterling Albion and I don't think Dumbarton are maybe at the same levels they were last year. So i.e. there's not two teams in that 
10 who I think are going to run away with the league. I don't see there being a gulf. So top four minimum for me was my personal objective for our season. And if somebody said to me in the second round of the Scottish Cup, you would get Dunbar, third round Scottish Cup minimum, to make some money for the club would also be unobjective. And I don't think they're unrealistic. I don't think I'm being harsh with that. So where do we currently sit against those objectives? And it's below standard. It's below standard. Um, We said on here a few weeks ago that the next couple of games were crucial, like you just said there. I feel like we're saying all the time, but we were saying get to the first round the fixtures and all you can see where we're at. Well, we're past that and we're seventh. Is that acceptable? For me, not. It's not acceptable. It's not. I think there needs to be some serious conversations because I'd love to see us go up to Peterhead and win, but what if we go up Peterhead and get beat? Do we have this? Do we come on the show again next week and have the same conversation? You know, um, there's this thing in football now that morally it's about doing the right thing, standing by people, being loyal, etc. But it's it's fucking cutthroat. It's a it's a cutthroat business. You know, if we end up finishing in that you know, bottom position, which I don't think we would, by the way, but we're closer to that than we are the playoffs. We've seen from the Scottish Cup results at the weekend that the teams in the leagues below us, that gap's not that big to League Two. That gap is not big. So there has to be a bit of fear there as well. So to round that off, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm struggling. I, I am struggling to see how we move forward. This is a rare laugh. Um, I saw it. <laughs> Jeez, oh. War, I mean, look, it's, it's bleak. Um, but, you know, again, I'm going to get splinters in my ass because I kind of feel like my job as host is to, to be devil's advocate. Um, and people will say that I'm being a kiss-ass or whatever, and that's fine. But, you know, objectively, you know, the, the form has been better. We've aside the Dunbar, you know, we're, we're starting to show glimmers of the team that we we seen last season. But equally, you know, there's a lot of unrest in fans. You know, we're already going to miss out on next round Scottish Cup coffers, which you know the, the clubs like us, you know, we really need. You know, I think that the ways that the, the, the balls fell. <laughs> Um, in the Scottish Cup draw would have been that we would have had Rovers at home um, had we we qualified um, and that would have been massive for us financially because we'd have sold at hospitality both ends would have been packed to the rafters it would have been really great financially I don't know it's ifs and buts and all that sort of stuff but it's it's hard to be positive when you're you're looking at the numbers in front of you and they don't make for good reading yeah, I agree. Um, I always try and find the positives, and, and, and this season in isolation, I think um, we started pretty very, well, very badly. In all honesty, from a league point of view, and I think yeah, undoubtedly things have picked up, um, but it doesn't mask the fact that we've now played everybody in the league once, and we've managed two wins. That's two wins out of playing every well, single just, team. Just to clarify, we've not played Bonnie Rig yet. 
Okay, sorry, sorry. We've only played right, nine games. Nine, yeah, so my Aaron said the same. Yeah. So just, yeah. just being taking a holistic view, but we haven't played everybody. I've played nine games. Still got one so, in so we've played the nine. Um, we're sitting on ten points. We've only won two of those games. Um, I think everybody in Scottish football, certainly anybody who keeps an eye on League Two, would look at, as we said, particularly Clyde earlier in the season, and certainly now Elgin, they're absolutely terrible, to put it mildly. Um, but we're sitting four points above them. Um, so we're, we're four points off bottom. Six off the playoff point, uh, playoff last playoff position, and obviously, if you're thinking very ambitiously about winning the league, you're nine points, which we're shipping a point in a game off that. So that seems like um, a highly ambitious to even consider that. So I think my worry is that are we sleepwalking into bigger trouble? Um, I think in the past, when Darren Young was here. Darren absolutely deserved the right to be given plenty of time, which he was definitely afforded by the board. Um, and I think where we'd been the season before that, and, and arguably the season before that, um, that I think that was justified. Um, I'm not having a go at, at Greg as a person, but my opinion is that the stats that you read out are pretty damning in all honesty. And and I think if Greg McDonald maybe wasn't a, a legend the East Fife, so to speak, then, then I think that he'd be arguably get an even tougher time and, and questions would certainly be asked I don't think for a minute the board will sack him this week or anything like that but I think if you look at the next three games in particular that we're playing the top two sides away from home Peterhead home at Dumbarton then the Clyde one's massive for me and you've got to think if we don't get results then I think in all honesty I think we'd have to make a change is my opinion um, because when comes that point where you have to make that decision if not following if you don't get positive results in those games you know how, how long do you let it run and, and you know it, it doesn't take much for a, a six point swing if you lose to a Clyde and then all of a sudden you're they're within a point of you kind of thing and that down, downward spiral can be quite quick to, to get kind of caught up in so that, that's my longer term fear that'd be it to try and stay positive as we've said the, the recent league form has picked up but this is where the wider damage or a result like yesterday comes into play. Yeah, we've lost revenue. Yes, it's embarrassing for the club. Yes, it's not good enough. But from a confidence point of view within the playing squad, it's hardly, it's probably as, as negative a place as it probably can be now going into Peterhead. If you're a player, subconsciously as much as anything else, you're looking at it going right Peterhead or relatively speaking, flying at the top of the league. We're going away up there. We've just come off the beat of, off the back of a defeat at Dunbar. So it's not great. I do kind of worry about the next few games. Um, I obviously 100% hope we win them. Of course I do. Um, and I'd love us to turn the corner, go on a great run, pick up and start flying up that league table. But if we don't, for me, I think the next couple of games and then we need to, to see this a look at things. I think, like, I mean, for me, there's there's questions, right? And do I see enough in this squad that I still think that they're playing for Greg? Yes, I do. Because I think it'd be very easy to down tools. And the, the team do not down tools. You know, they keep, no matter what game it is, they're batting on the door, which means that it, it makes me think that they have confidence in him as a manager. So you've got that side of it. You know, and if, there's not a single East Five fan that would, that would wish anything other than, than Greg to be successful, myself included. I think he's a, a top, top guy. I think that he is a decent coach. Um, you know, I think that he, he definitely turned our season around um, despite a rocky start last season and guided us to the playoffs. 
Um, however, the, the start of the season hasn't been good enough. He'd probably tell you that himself if he was on the show. Um, but I think for me is, is the squad with the same old good enough? Now, Greg has to take um, responsibility for that because this is his team. You know, like the last season he inherited it from Stevie Crawford, albeit he did support him in building it. But, you know, we signed Fash, which was a, a top signing. And, you know, the goals are starting to come for him now, which is great. My issue is, is if we take Fash out, and I've said this all along, you know, we know that that, that um, Nathan can be quite injury prone at times. We've no sit out and out centre forward if he doesn't play. Now, is Scott Shepherd is Scott Shepherd a good player? Yes, and I'll I'll die on that hill. I will because I I do rate him. He wasn't good yesterday, but I rate him as a player. Is he going to fill Fash's boots? No. Jack Keeley hasn't scored this season. Ryan Shavoni hasn't scored this season. Gregor Nickel hasn't scored this season. You're then relying on Conor McManus, who, don't get me wrong, has, has scored a couple of good goals. Not his game. Troughton has obviously scored a few goals, but he sits so deep in the park, he's not going to impact that on a regular basis. I couldn't believe we didn't bring another striker in. We let Mikey Cunningham go, and I thought at that point, right, we're letting him go surely that must mean that we're going to bring somebody else on loan. And then the loan deadline passed. I was like, I can't believe that we didn't bring anybody in. Um, you know, I think we added Kieran Mitchell, who is a, a striker, but like Aaron said, you know, we're not getting the chance to see what he's about. Um, there does seem to be a loyalty to, to certain players that I don't think that there should be. Um, that, you know, they're not playing well, but it's almost like they're guaranteed a shirt every week. Um, and is that because the the strength and depth of our squad isn't good enough, Gorda? I mean, a bit of both. I think on the on the point of other players that are just you know maybe guaranteed a starting spot that when maybe they shouldn't be. I agree a hundred percent with that, and I think you know Aaron picked out Jack Healy. Um, and I, I would I would agree with that hundred percent. I mean, I'm 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 a fan of Jacks. I think he, I think, you know, he's he's got a lot of potential to be a very good player. Has his performances this season merited him being an absolute stick on every week? No, I don't think they have. And I think the the point about you know has has Nickel really had uh, an opportunity to show what he can do to prove himself don't think so has Mitchell really had that opportunity I don't think so so you know I think we've seen enough from these guys to sort of say that they could do something if they're given the same opportunity that some other players have been so I don't think it's that we just we don't have any I don't think it's that we don't have any option at all so we're only going with what we possibly can I think there are other players there I think you know, again, agreeing one hundred percent with what Aaron was saying about Healy. Maybe, maybe sort of saying, you know, maybe taking him out of the team a bit and showing him, look, he can be dropped. And one hundred percent, would he be a fantastic option? To take off the bench, last twenty minutes if you're one nil down or whatever. He absolutely would be. Um, I think, 
you know, the type of player he is, putting him up against tired fullbacks and just getting him to go full throttle, absolutely. Um, you know, and again, it's no wanting to just single out Jack, but he's he's the one that comes to mind. Um, it is harsh on Jack, though, in the sense that, you know, he'll probably, and, and it goes both ways, because I think that fans will back him more than anyone because he's a local lad. But equally, they'll probably be more critical because of the type of player he is. He's a flair player, he's got quick feet, and he scores worldies, and we know what he can do. So, And obviously, the position he plays as well, I think, is a, a huge part of that. Um, that they'll probably get a lot more of the wrath from the fans when things don't go well. But there's more than him that, that aren't pulling their weight. Yeah, there are. Like I said, it's. Uh, I don't want it to. I don't want it to just become a point about Jack Keeley, but he's he's the kind of example there. Um, but yeah, when you're looking on the bench and saying, are there are there things we can change? Yeah, like we're not. You know, we're not Real Madrid. We're not going to have endless options off the bench, but there are options there, and it, it, it is really difficult because, like you said, Dunbar overshadows everything. And if that result hadn't happened, you know, if that result, if that game had got called off, and we were just doing a kind of, you know, how we've been playing recently and how we're feeling about the next few games, things would be totally different. Um, we'd be coming off the back of a four 0 win against Stranraer. Now the same the team the same team that went out and got embarrassed by Dunbar went out and dismantled Stranraer, and we'd probably be feeling a lot differently about it. So they didn't they didn't become ba- a bad team and bad players overnight. Um, but I think a, a, what a defeat like that does is just bring a lot of the critical thoughts up to the top, and a lot of them are not unfair. Um, it will be in, really interesting to me to see what he does against Peterhead in terms of what what choices Greg McDonald makes for the starting lineup against Peterhead. I mean, does he does he keep faith? Basically, the same team that we've been playing the past two or three weeks, or does he make changes? Because um, I think that's a big decision on his part. Because I think it's a big message to not make any changes. It's a big message to guys that you know whatever you've done in the past four weeks. You know, yesterday wasn't good enough, and to me, it, it's a bold sort of decision to just say, right, we're going to forget that. You're keeping your place, um, and a part of me, I think, you know, it's no wholesale changes. Don't want to see five or six changes, but I think just shaking it up a little bit is probably a good thing. So again, just flipping into that devil's advocate role, um, you know, Greg said that we failed a personality test yesterday, which I think everybody could see, but surely if that's the case, he has to make changes. I can't see any way you can't because all that that would say to me is, and, and I know that I'm comparing apples and oranges here, but I've been a manager for a long time. And if I think about psychologically, about like when I've tried to motivate staff, et cetera, et cetera, if I would then be like, right, okay, we failed a personality test, but then changed nothing, all that that does is tell me subconsciously or even consciously is, well, that's actually okay. So for me, we'll have to make changes for next week. And and if and it's a, a real test of character for Greg to actually be like, well, 
yeah, I'm going to fucking ring the changes because you guys let me down. You know, you know, Greg's getting the brunt of it yesterday, but it wasn't him on the pitch. You know what I mean? His players let him down yesterday. I, I, I get that a manager will always get an element of the blame, but there was 11 players in those park yesterday. In fact, nine players in the park yesterday that weren't good enough. So it's, it's, it's a real Sophie's choice for Greg. Um, yeah, he's well within his rights to go and change it. Absolutely, 110%. He's got his rationale there because of how poor yesterday was. I am worried about what's coming. I am worried. But the Peterhead game is one of those games, if you look at purely weak position, where Greg could go up there and set himself up in a 4-1-4-1, get players behind the ball, be compact, be narrow, be hard to beat and look to hit on the break. Which... If there's one thing he has done this season, particularly, and I know we maybe don't rate them, but in some of the cup games where, you know, we've set ourselves up like that, we've went and got results. So there's a tactical element to it as well as a personnel element. I also find, though, and I hate saying this because I do like Greg as a person, like the, the little interactions I have had with him, but players are feeling a character test under your watch. You're also responsible for the motivation of those players as well. You know, like the players, the box stops the players. Yeah, I get that. But you create the climate. You create the, you know, you contributing to that environment in which you're motivating your players. And if they're feeling a personality test, that's that's not good for them. But it's also not good for him. You know. Um, and I don't think comments like that, whilst I don't disagree with it, because I, I don't, because they did feel a character test yesterday, that's an issue. That That is a big issue, because you know something? Players can give a five-yard pass away. A player could take a shot for 30, 30 yards and put in the car park. A player can miss time a tackle. But the character element they're non-negotiable. Like that's non-negotiable. And if you're not getting the non-negotiables right as a player or as a coaching staff, that's a problem. So I think that comment brings it more to the surface with the coaching staff as well as the players. Yeah, you're bang on. Um, it's it's kind of hard to, to argue with that because, you know, if if you want to look at it a different way, one of the like there's a really popular quote if any are LinkedIn people like I am, and it's like, you know, people don't leave bad jobs, you know, they leave bad managers, right? Because if there's if people are are, are fostered and cared and nurtured in a a good environment, then they'll work their ass off for you. You know, they'll they'll they'll, they'll work their fingers to the bone. And like I say, I don't think that it's the case that the players aren't playing for Greg. And I'm not saying that Greg's a bad manager. That's not what I'm saying. The point that I'm trying to make is, is, you know, if they're not putting in the effort, that is indicative of your leadership. And and that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, that's that's a real, you know, Greg, Greg you know, yesterday in his post-match, that looked probably the angriest I've seen him. He looked livid. Um, and I would have hated to have been in the, 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 the changing room after that game. You know, when he's saying the players are hurting, et cetera, et cetera. And don't get me wrong, there was a, a whole host of fans that booed yesterday, right? But not one not one player apologised to the fans. You know, there wasn't like a, we're really sorry or whatever. 
They all turned off and left. And we took a good support yesterday. We took a good support to Osprey, and they were really grateful because we sang our hearts out, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, you know, we've we've backed them. Um, but yesterday, I think the fans and and I didn't boo because I, I don't tend to do it, but I could understand why a lot of fans did. Um, and I, th- I think I think you know that oh, I'm kind of rambling a bit now, but it's hiding again, isn't it? Yeah, you know what I mean. We're talking about you're going to Dunbar, you know they're going to be up for it. You can't hide away for that, and they did. And to me, okay, it's maybe a small thing, but just going down the tunnel is hiding again. And you want to see a little bit of that indication that that character's there, that that fighting spirit is there, and it's just another wee opportunity where they didn't show it. And to me, that's that's worrying. I think um, on that. If we're saying that's a failed character test, as we've said, it clearly is. I think that's why the next games are crucial. Because if that was a test of character on Saturday, we're now going in a period where it's an even bigger but different test of character. It's how do you respond from that? And that's why I think the next games are massive. If Greg's come out and said that, well, as he has, it's a failed character test, how are the players going to respond to that? And this is where we're now going to find out, are they playing for them or are they not? If we go and go up, go up to Peterhead and get hosed 3-4-0, we come and play them Barnet Bayview and it's the same again. That's the end for me. Because this character's now is how are we going to stand up as a team? What are we going to do and how do we get our season back on track? And if individuals fail that, then unfortunately, as much as the players are at to, are at to blame at times for, for scenarios like that, it will fall on the manager, I think. Uh, different, different type of character test, but it's a huge one and arguably a bigger one coming forward now. I'm kind of keen that I don't want this to depress our listeners any more than no, 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 it's not your football it's, but we're all guilty of it and you know, it, it's so difficult to do these shows after a game like yesterday because you know, what what else can you say, you know, and, and I debated not doing a show this week, I'll be honest because, you know I kind of hate having to come on and, and be this character um, or you know, host this this show when things aren't going good. You know, it's it's not a fun thing to do, um, especially because you know, in the position that I'm in with the club, I've got to work with these people regularly. It, it makes it really difficult and awkward if I see them. But ultimately, you know, it's I, I could only say what I see, and I could only be as honest and objective as as I can be. Um, but it's it's not good enough as it stands. I'm sure that Paul and Greg and Lindsay. Um, these guys will, will feel that. I'm sure the board will feel that. I'm sure the players will feel that. But I, I suppose it's it's up to them just now to to prove us wrong, you know. And and there'll be no there'll be nobody more than us. Not not just as a podcast. I'm talking about as a fan base. But there'll be nobody more than us that that want to see this team turn it around than than the East Five fans. And it's you know it's for me it's for pardon the the, the expression, but it's put up our sharp time. Because we've we've got like we say we've played nine out of the ten teams. I don't think any of them are good. You know, there's nobody like Aaron said. There's nobody that's like Sterling Albion. And, and don't get me wrong, we gave Sterling Albion a few game games last season, but you can see they were a good side. You can see Annan were a good side when we played them. There's nobody I've watched us against and thought that they were light years ahead of us. But we are seventh place, and two wins out of nine isn't acceptable. 
Um, and going into these next few games, I think are, are massive. And I really, I, I wholeheartedly pray that we turn it around because the, again, I've, I've championed Greg from from very early on. Um, I championed Stevie, Stevie Crawford from before he got the job as well. So I'm, I've definitely got a, a bit of egg on my my face. Um, if things do go do go pear shaped, but not not for that reason that you know Greg for me is is one of the best East five players of my lifetime. He's provided us with some fantastic football last season. Not seen it this season, but last season some of the football we played under him was was, was amazing to watch. And a lot of people I see comment and like you know that that are just jumping down the the team's throats that that don't go to games maybe don't see how good a football inside we could be at times so they don't understand how the you know if they just see that we've had a draw or we've we've um we've lost they've maybe not seen the manner in which we've lost last season again because I, I can't defend um a lot of the performances this season but things need to improve and they need to improve fast so just to move on Gordon um I'm sorry mate but as the co-longest serving member of the G-Dog panel. Um, I'm going to come to you first and ask for your predictions for next week um, against Peter Head. Um, so I I don't see any reason that we cannot go there and get a win. Like I said, I don't think Peter Head are a great team. I think it's going to, it's going to be a battle and we're going to have to fight for it. I don't think there's any reason we can't go there and win. But on the other hand, um, I think I feel like I'd be mental to go and predict us to go and win there. Um, I'd love to think we can go and get something, but yeah, going go and getting beat two 0 you know, if you want my, if I if I really had to stick my neck out and say what I think the result's going to be, I think we're going to go and get beat two 0 Hey Aaron, yeah, I'm struggling to be positive too. Like I said, if Greg goes there and sets up in a compact, narrow, defensive shape and he tries to hit on the break, because he's proved that tactically he's got that in it in us, and it's easier to do that than control the ball and dictate the tempo, etc. I would be surprised if we went up there and drew. However, I can't say anything other than Peter Head maybe winning 2-1. What? Well, I think it's going to go one of two ways. Um, I think either, and I really hope it's not option A, which is going to be, heads are going to be down, confidence destroyed, we're going to go up there, play a team who've pretty much got their tails up and they're going to comfortably beat us two or three now, which I hope it's not. The flip side to that is we get a reaction. The manager manages to instill that belief somehow into the team, but that the guys are hurting and they can go out and show that on the pitch by putting in a great display. We came at the very start, chatted about our performances against Queen's Park, Queen of the South. Now, I'm not saying for one minute that Peterhead are far superior to us or playing at a higher level, but if we adopt that mentality going to a team who are top of the league and we get that mindset back in place, then we can hopefully get a wee sneaky win. So I'm going to be optimistic. I'm going to end on optimistic. I'm going to say we're going to win 2-1. It's going to be our season-changing moment and we're going to go on a great rerun. Get well consolidated in the playoffs and kick on from there. So there you go. There's my positivity to end with. Mate, you've got a little bit of white powder. Um, <laughs> underneath your... um, no, that's a joke. That's a joke, of course. Um, no, I, I admire your 
um, your positivity and I mirror it, um, which will maybe surprise a few people. I think that we're going to go up there and and we're going to go balls to the wall, um, for lack of a better expression. And I think we're going to go and win one now. Um, and, and like you, I really hope that um, that is, you know, and we've said it a few times, you know, the, the comeback against Stranraer, against Spartans, is that our season-defining moment? Is the win against Albion over is our season-changer? Is is the win against Spartans our season-changer? Is the draw against TNS our season-changer? It does feel like there's only so many times you can say that. But we've got the players and we've got, you know, a manager that is capable of getting it out of them, but they need to prove it now. You know, it is do or die. You know, Alba Gubrath will. Uh, you know, Mel Gibson with his sword in the head and uh, running straight into the the English camp. Um, sort of territory for me. You know, it, it needs to be do or die. Um, and you know, when you play the team against top of the league on the back of a performance like we've just put in, you know, I think that we'll go in there and we'll have to, you know, we'll lick their wounds. Um, for a day or two and then I'm hoping that Greg's going to run them into the ground at training and put a foot up a few of their arses that's potentially needed and I hope he makes changes I hope to see Kieran Mitchell in that team next week um, and give us a bit of a different option I, I would like to see us play two up top um, next week I would like to see us play four in the middle um, next week and really just be compact and difficult let's go back to basics Um and and try and just show what we're about because we've got a lot of good footballers. You know, we've got Trouton, we've got McManus, you know, we've got Healy who on his days a top player. We've got Nathan Austin who's a good player. We've got Shepard who's a good player. We've got Brian Easton if he's fit as a good player. Page is a good player. Fleming's the best shot stopper in the league. We've got the players to to turn this round, but they they owe it to us now. You know, we've we've backed them a lot, um, and they, they definitely need to to start repaying that faith. In some ways, it's a it's a it's a little bit of free hit next week, right? Because I think I know you, I know you've just uh, you guys have just been optimistic about it, but for the outside looking in, people probably look at away to Peterhead, we're seventh, we're probably going to lose that. Or oh, they got beat by Dunbar, they're probably going to go and get beat at Peterhead. So I think in some ways it's just look, there isn't this enormous expectation that you go there and get a win like there was yesterday. But if you can just go there, get the heads back up, put in a good performance, show a bit of dig, show a bit of fight, you know, even if you don't win, still take a point, or even if we play really well, but we just come away with, a, you know, one goal defeat, something like that, something that I think people can sort of look at and go, "Yep, that was a good performance." You know, it looks like the heads are back up. They look like a team that's going in the right direction. In some ways, that's all you. You know, in some ways, that's all you need out of this this week. You know, there's not this expectation that we're going to go there and win two or three now or whatever. So, and, you know, it should be something that they can get themselves up for. Couldn't agree more. Moving on from any East Fife related matters, it's that time in the show where I throw along to you the opportunity to bring anything from a let's all laugh at or and I mean obviously Elgin is the answer but I think those in glass houses just shouldn't throw stones um, at that moment but I'm going to pass over to you guys if you've got anything that you've seen across social media doesn't even have to be football related but give us a much needed chuckle Wow I think if we, if we oh no I mean Elgin you're right is the, the obvious one the other I guess result that, that stood out for me yesterday on a football point of view was Trinent East Cobride, 7-0 to Trinent. I think that was 
really enjoyable, just thanks to the East Cobride management team in particular. So I found that one uh, quite enjoyable, to be honest with you. I'll bring mine yeah, in. Still well for me. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'll bring mine in. It's a team that I've mentioned a lot, but it's Darvel, um, which is a very nice segue from your conversation because this is you know a team that we've seen spunk queens of cash, all while being commas self-sufficient, um, you know, and then they're on uh, social media this week saying, oh, by the way, we're fucking skint. Um, and it looks like they could end up going off the game if, if things go their way. You know, you've already seen some of the mercenaries that drop down uh, from playing way high up in the upper echelons of Scottish football, jumping ship to, to other uh, money merchants in the lowland league like McShane, I think it's a way to Gartcairn, and we'll probably see a few other players start to to ship off in the coming weeks or months. But you know, this is a team that beat Aberdeen what six, seven months ago. You know, they had a packed stadium. You know, they've got a cracking setup. Their their facilities in there, um, in terms of their changing rooms, are probably up there with some Premier League clubs. However, their manager who definitely apparently wasn't bankrolling them um, or assisting in the bankrolling them, um, has went to East Kilbride. They've all of a sudden started spending silly money um, and Darvel are out up shit creek. Coinky dink? I think not. Um, so, yeah, I um, very much enjoyed the 7-0 thrashing of East Kilbride. I would have loved to have seen the camera on Mick Kennedy's face at that point and seen what sort of fucking speech he was going to give um, and if folk had been fucking spaffing all over him um, like they were in the, the pre-Aberdeen match. Um, so that was very, very enjoyable to me. And, and look, I feel sorry for anybody connected with Darvall that have you know, bought the ticket and took the ride to what they thought was going to be the again the upper echelons of Scottish football and really it looks like they could go off the game all because of a vanity project that hasn't paid off and um, you know a la Ballingray a la Gretna you know it's, it's, and it's like I said at the time you know apart from Kelty who have actually turned it alright annoyingly um, these ones do tend to blow up in their face the last thing that I was going to mention and it's something that was shared to me on social media um, on the Glory Days page RB or Razin Ball Sport Red Bull are looking for a Scottish club. Now, we've had Ian on, and God bless Ian, you know, that's the, the likely option, right? But, you know, is there any way that we could get um, our Red Bull to, to take his fife as the, the club of choice? Or now that the, the dual ownership rules in the Scottish football for English and Scottish clubs are being relaxed for feeder clubs apparently Burnley are looking for a feeder club um, for some reason unbeknownst to me that we can't become um, an RB Methyl oh no I get that to fuck no? no you, you would rather be in the position that we're in the now than become RB Methyl yep changing the name and all that stuff nah it's a, it's a joke I mean, we were, we were all we were all having a laugh at TNS for, you know, the total network solutions type stuff. It's the same stuff. Joke. Joke so clubs. You wouldn't, you wouldn't be RB East Fife? No. They can shove their money up their arse. So and that looked like there was a general consensus across you all there. Was that the case? 
Yeah, it's not for me. Not for me. See what they've done. Um, watch quite a bit of Bundesliga and see how hated RB Leipzig are as well. Um, because obviously they've went and exploited the 50 plus one rule. I'm sure it is. Um, so, yeah, I don't. You can't buy all your history and sedition and change your name and all that shit. Nah, no for me. No thanks. What? Oh, similar. Similar. Um, I think to your point that you made earlier, albeit on a grander and slightly different scale, when you talk about these vanity projects and such like, now I know if you're talking about Red Bull coming in, that's a bit of a different to your local businessman who's made a few quid, but same principles, isn't it? Um, suddenly becoming an ambitious club just because you've got money. Um, listen, would welcome investment to East Fife with open arms in many, many ways, but when you start messing with history and changing names and things like that, then then no, um, not for me, thank you. Count me in, RB Methyl, Moan the Red Bull, I've been every other soft drink that I've ever drank or will drink in my entire life if you take us to the Champions League. Fuck I, this podcast will be global, I'll get to quit my job, I'll be absolutely minted and get to talk shite about football all the time. It would be quality, count me in. Um, all joking aside, I mean... I'd love to see any sort of investment and, and, and you know, if Wrexham were looking for a B team and Ryan and Rob want to buy us or the Burnley guys or the American football Tom Brady guy that's bought Birmingham, you know, any of these guys that are looking for a, a wee Scottish team. I mean, Doug, like I said, was um, caddying for the, or I think he was caddying for the, the Saudi owner of um, Newcastle yesterday. You know, if he happened to find a hundred million pound behind his couch and wanted to to stick it into East Fife, you know, I'd happily be called the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, East Fife FC, no problem at all. Like absolutely no bother at all. I mean, that I, I actually envy these clubs a wee bit. You know, your Newcastles, your Cities, you know, your Chelsea's, your you know, all these ones that have just had money thrown at them and they've went on and won everything. Could you imagine how good that would be? Do you not think there'll be an element of, say, Man City fans, though, older school fans, who hark back for the days when they were just not very good? No, I just just mean that the whole dynamics change. I mean, if you took a club like Man City, the the whole club, the whole ethos of that club, everything about that is, I don't mean to say it's so ripped out of it, but it's it's a, a corporate entity now, isn't it? It's a sports washed front for things and as in likes Newcastle and so on and all these clubs and you think mm, it's it's a difficult one because I guess ultimately you want money into your club, don't you? And you want that success from a football point of view, but you, you want to do it the right way, which is to build a team. But I guess that's what cash allows you to do. So it is tricky, but um yeah, I wouldn't turn down somebody turning up at Bayview a hundred grand, never mind a hundred million, that'd be fine. But that's it. If the club changes so much, you may as well just you may as well just go and support Man City. You know what I mean? Like, if Correct. if the, if if somebody comes in and it's not his wife anymore, it's not his wife anymore. So don't really don't really care about it. It's I mean, there's different levels of this. Like you know, you've got your Man City, Newcastle, just some you know billionaire shake coming in and putting money in, and you know you've got your your guys at Wrexham who seem to want to be. You know, doing it, doing a lot of things the right way, and then, you know, the other end of that is like Red Bull, and it's like change your name, change your colours. Like, no, thank you. I think so, there as well. Like you, you make a good point. Is 
I, I, I don't like it because I think a lot of it's plastic. It really is. I do think it rips the soul out of the clubs. Um, but I think with the Wrexham one as well, to be fair, and city owners have too, but they've actually helped develop the local community as well. You know, so people are putting money not just into the club, but care about regeneration in the local community too. And I think that sort of thing is really, really appealing and important. Whereas RB, whatever the fuck you want to call them, they simply go in and change the club, change the colours, change the name and get from League 2 or whatever division you're in to the upper echelons of the game as quickly as possible. So you're part of their network. And I think that's what makes it a lot different. Um, don't be wrong, if somebody came along and offered to invest a significant amount of money in East Fife as well as the local community, then yeah, I'd definitely be open to that. I still think that one of the things that I've mentioned the show a few times is we need a celebrity fan, right? That you know, the Rovers have got Gordon Brown, you know, there's, there's he's not celebrity. I mean, he is relatively famous. Uh, they've got the, the guitarist for Coldplay as well. Mind that gig's going to be happening at Starks Park. At, at any, some... any day now, yeah. Any day now, that, that, that gig will be taking place at Starks. So, you know, we, we don't have... Uh, or, or they've got Val McDermott, you know. St- they seem... Sten- Muir have got that guy from... Uh... Ah, shit. Yeah, the, is it yeah. The Wire? Is, is it Isaiah Washington? Is that his name? Yeah. Aye. Uh, we, we just don't have a, a celebrity fan and and as our listeners I want I want you to go out and get us one bombard the social media of a celebrity enough to be the fact that they pick it up hopefully it's one that's got loads of money and we could just ask them very kindly to to back us a Kardashian maybe you know I'm alright if um, Kendall Jenner wants to rock up at Methyl and um, sit in the, the director's box. I'll even pay for our hospitality. Um, but just anyone, let us know your thoughts. Go to daysagold.gmail.com or on Twitter who you would like to see as the celebrity fan. It don't even have to be from, from Fife or Methyl or anything like that. Just who we think we could have as our celebrity fan. Um, and not just for eye candy reasons, although I did mention Kendall Jenner. She is a billionaire, so any of them. Um, would be obviously great but in the spirit of talking shite and wrapping up shows that's exactly what I'm going to do now gentlemen thank you so much for joining us in what's been a rather long show um, almost two hours thank you very much again to Ian Lawson who joined us earlier on um, for his fitting tribute of Rab Waddle um, thanks again um, to you guys the listeners who make this show possible for your continued support thanks to Maze Mortgages um, for their, their sponsorship um, and ongoing support as well And more importantly, thanks for listening. Take care. And of course, Monday Five. Lord Provost Warren of Glasgow presents the Scottish League Cup to the side that lasted the course better. All conquering East Fife. As I made my way to that pitch on Wellesley Road Sing my songs for the boys in black and gold I heard the stories about 1938 And I 